Now for the show that's truly too hot to handle. It's the melting pack, and it starts right now. You're listening to the melting pack. Here's your host, Pat Johnson. Well, thank you, Jerome. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the show, The Melting Pats, the Next Level Network. Today, I know I told you last week I was going to have some stuff to tell you about today, but I don't because we have a guest, and that's more fun. So, uh, yeah, sorry. I sound a little weird. I'm a little over the weather because, well, collectively, we've not learned a thing. How about that? Can we just leave it there? Great. Is Is that too revealing? No, it's fine. You can't see any of me. It's all good. So there we go. All right. Hopefully next week we'll have a regular show and talk about all the stuff that I said I would talk about. I don't know. But anyway, today we have a guest. His name is Roy Robley. Uh, And thanks to my dear friends, Double Identity, who I'm actually listening to right now as I do this, because I just remember I had them on, because when I get the end of the day, I listen to music, and uh, I remembered, hey, I should probably just record this part because the microphone's all set up. So that's me doing this. So anyway, they said, hey, he's our producer um, would you want to talk to him? Or maybe I said, I'd like to, that'd be cool to talk to him. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. So they set it up. We did it. We, well, they didn't set up. They said, Hey, do this. They talked to him. He was excited. And, uh, I'm glad it happened. Cause we had a really fun conversation about all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you're going to hear it in a moment. And then I know I did, I did that weird thing. Cause I, I'm not used to not having a song to throw to. So we got to the end. I'm like, all right, thanks Roy. And then seconds later was like, Oh, by the way, Here's the question. Here's the bonus. So, yeah, it's a little weird, but that's okay. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, you can find more about him at RoyRobley.com, R-O-Y-E-R-O-B-L-E-Y. He is a music producer, mixerer, masterer, engineer, percussionist, uh, former school nurse. I don't know if that helps you in any way, but that's uh, those are some things we uncovered during the course of the conversation. So that's what we're doing. All right. That's our that's going to be the show. So uh, more from me at TheMeltingPat.com. And uh, yeah, next week, hopefully, we'll have a normal show or not. I don't know. But anyway, this is me. We got to go. We got things to do. Look at that right under the wire. Um, this is me. Jesus. This is me. T- not talking to Jesus. Not yet. Um, I hope not anyway. This is me talking to Roy Robley about music production, and then we spent like 20 minutes on Double Identity, so it's all great, and uh, you can hear that right now. Okay, hold on real quick. I forgot to set up the captain, because he did drop us an update, so before we get to Roy, we're going to do this, play you the thing that he made that I, well, we made together anyway. Flyers update. Here it is. Good sir, the floor is yours. Take it away. Hey, hey, Flyers fans, Mark back at you again with another Flyers. Oh, yeah. Guys, I am back just like the Flyers continue their march towards the future. The Flyers are getting, getting that motto, that mantra, that refrain dug into their heads. They're shooting it over to the fans. They're sending it across the NHL. They're saying, listen, we got a new coach, John Torrella. We got a young core. We're getting them NHL experience and we're looking towards the future. So let's take a look at the recap. 
Flyers ended up losing 6-2 in Seattle on Thursday. Then followed up with another loss on Saturday against Vancouver, 6-2 also. Monday, they ended up getting the win in Calgary, 4-3. Followed up with a loss, 4-2 against Edmonton on Tuesday. Then on Friday, Flyers are going to take on Montreal at home, then heading up the turnpike, going to take on the Devils on Saturday, then come back home Wednesday to take on the Rangers. Guys, I know the season is starting to wind down. I know playoff hopes are looking dim, but we have to continue looking towards the future, have to believe in what this coach is preaching, and have to believe that these young players are going to continue to develop. So, guys, that's it for me here inside the Melting Pad on Next Level Radio. Thank you, my friend. Cross our fingers and toes that uh, Flag Guys turn it around so we get more updates as we push toward the end of the season. So playoffs, maybe playoffs. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. The captain will tell us whether or not the Flyers are going to make the playoffs when the time comes. So there you go. Thank you, my friend. Great work, as usual. And now, my friends, we're good. Now we're, we got all this stuff out of the way. So now here is me and Roy Robley. So it's really funny that you um, got the time mixed up because uh, the, first, the reason you're here is that Double Identity, good friends of the show, you produce their records, correct? Correct. And the first time they were on the show, I said, hey, let's do four o'clock. Whatever. Great. Didn't even think that they're in Chicago. I'm in Philadelphia. There's going to be a difference. So I'm sitting here at four o'clock. I'm like, hey, hey, where are you guys? And they're like, oh, yeah. You said four o'clock, right? I'm like, yeah, it's four o'clock. And they're like, no, it's three. I'm like, oh, Christ. (laughs) So it's actually really funny that you also... Uh, didn't uh, didn't notice the time zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Matt and I am so sorry because you you no, definitely good. mentioned it in the email, <laughs> and I and, and I'm like, did did he mention it? And I just did, I just missed it, and I like went back like two emails, two email replies. I'm like, oh yeah, he totally said it. And, I, and I'm used to looking for that stuff, you know, because when you're operating in the business, you're operating with people all over. So yeah, it's like. You know, it could be CST or it could be mountain time or, you know, it's a big country. So we've got a lot of time zones. Yeah. Come on, Roy. Jeez. (laughs) I blame me. Professional. Let's blame me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all good. It's not like I had to do, I have to do something later. Like if we had done this at three o'clock and you didn't get here till four, that would be a problem. But middle of the day, it's all good. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, that that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I got to go have lunch with my wife and kid upstairs. It's all everything worked man. out. See, you know, yeah, I, I'm I'm benevolent. You know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now you're on a pedestal. You went from being yeah. blamed to being on the pedestal. Yeah, for you. family first, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> you turn that around real quick. Yeah. Barely yeah. been 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> We're already dealing with a diva. Oh yeah, my goodness. Yeah, that's just, right. that's that's the business, man. <laughs> yes, you've been in the business for quite a while, right? You've been in some form of the music business since forever, right? I have. Yeah. I am no stranger to it. I mean, I came from a f I, I come from a family of musicians. Um, so it's pretty much all I've known for most of my life is, is music. So 
Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things where I did like the normal job thing for a while. You know, I've it's funny because my my education is actually in nursing. It's not in music. Oh, yeah. So I I went to school for nursing and I, I actually have a bachelor's in nursing. And um, I worked in that for a while, but it was really weird because I I went to school for nursing and I I passed the licensure exam and it was within months after I passed that exam that I got my first offer to tour. So I never, uh, yeah, I, I passed, I got my license and then I didn't actually work as a nurse for probably four years after that. So. And then COVID hit and you were like, no, I don't want to be a nurse. I'd rather do music stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Strangely enough that, that, so I didn't necessarily quit because of COVID, but it, it timed out really strangely because I, I was actually working at a school. So I was a school nurse uh, and it was nice because I, <laughs> oh, I had wow. a very, yeah, I, I had like a very established schedule, which was good because in, in nursing, you don't, you don't have Correct. one. Um, yeah. So it was nice that I had that established schedule, but once COVID hit, I was still producing all the time. Like when I came home, it was like right to music. And even at work, I was, I was still working on, you know, I was editing and, you know, I had a little practice pad, so I would practice drums, you know, and nobody said anything. Everybody thought it was cool that, you know, the school nurse did that. So nobody said anything to me. So I just kept doing it. But when COVID hit, I was still working remotely with artists and I was mixing and I had just finished up the meet me at the altar stuff that I was doing. And so it was funny because everything started to like cascade and cascade and things started to really take off. So I was like, well, I guess this is, I guess I can not work as a nurse now. Um, so that's kind of, it's, it's funny. I didn't quit because of COVID. I, I know a lot of people who, who did quit nursing because of COVID. Uh, and that's a whole another can of worms, but I actually, it was just the, the timing was kind of perfect. I mean, serendipitous, if you yeah, will. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because as a producer, engineer, like your website says percussionist. That's pretty cool. So you're not just a drummer. You do other things uh, percussion-wise. Yeah, yeah. I I actually, my my formal training as a musician is is in like classical percussion. So like playing mallet percussion, like xylophone, marimba, bells, timpani. So that that's actually where my formal training is. Um, I've been playing drum set all my life, but I actually never have taken a drum set lesson in my life. It's always been like classical percussion. So it's a kind of a weird background for me because I, my, my training is not actually in what I do, but. So you were classically trained to hit stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, they <laughs> taught me you hit it here and it sounds the best. It's the least noisy <laughs> of the areas that you can hit it. Yeah. Wow. And that's a whole class. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Not only just a whole class, but like I did that for years. So. Oh, it's a whole uh, course of study. Like, like, yeah, like, <laughs> like a whole program. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That is, that's actually where my, my formal musical training is. It's, it's not even in drum set, um, which is what I normally play, but I do teach still. I teach percussion and that comes in handy for when I'm teaching students because a lot of my students are in band programs. So I have to 
teach him how to play mouths. So it'd be funny if you taught like because you go from nursing to playing drums to classically trained hitting things. It'd be funny if you're like, oh, also I teach violin. Like, well, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I suppose I could probably teach guitar, but yeah, violin's a. My girlfriend is a an orchestra director, and I don't even know how to hold her violin. Like, I, I hold it, and she's like, "You're holding it totally wrong. Like, that is not how you hold that instrument." And I'm like, "Dude, I don't know. Like, it kind of looks like a guitar. It's a little guitar, maybe a ukulele. Like, that's this way I hold it. You know, I don't know. Little um, mandolin." Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I have no idea how to how to hold it. Wow, orchestra. That is that's a lot. Speaking of musically inclined, geez, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. There needless to say, um a lot of our discussion in this house is like one hundred percent centered around music. <laughs> we, you don't say. Yeah, everything is say. pretty much uh pretty much sourced around music. I took a uh, music of the Romantic Era class in college, mm-hmm. and one thing that sticks out, uh, many things do, but one thing that sticks out is when they're conducting, one hand is for uh, the meter, the volume, and the other hand is for, I don't remember what, but I'm like, oh, that's why they're moving their hands in crazy directions. They're yeah. actually doing things. Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's it's funny that you say that because she had to take some conducting lessons when she started this job. Because she was mostly teaching elementary education before that. So she had to actually take like formal conducting classes. And there's like a whole, a whole approach, like you were saying, that you would never think that, you know, it's like, well, that guy's just like waving his arms up there. But yeah, it's like timekeeping and expression and dynamics and uh, cueing different players in the orchestra. It, it is a big job. And once she started doing it, she's like, yeah, I'm a little in over my head. I'm probably going to need to take some <laughs> lessons on this. She's like, I could it's, do that. I could just get up there and wave my arms. I mean, yeah, you could. Yeah. I, I, imagine like the first day you go up and you're like, okay, I've seen people conduct. I've seen people do do all these sorts of things. If you just did that and the orchestra played, like the musicians know like what you're supposed to mean. Like they know what you're doing by, even though you don't, they do. So they're playing along with whatever you're doing. And you're like, that doesn't sound right. Maybe I should step back and figure this out for real. (laughs) Well, well, it's funny because I have played in many groups where nobody even looks at the director. Like they don't even look at him. So he's just, uh, he might as well just be up there waving his arms. They don't even look at him. And it's, it's sad because it's not how you're actually supposed to approach that. You know, it's, they're kind of the, I mean, in like rock band, pop band situations, a lot of us use metronomes live to keep us in time and to keep us locked in. Well, orchestras don't have that. It, it would be damn near impossible for everybody to have that. So your, your metronome is your director. That's, that's who keeps time for you. So if you're not watching them, it's like you're not even, you're not even trying to stay with the group because that's who's keeping you together. You should tell your girlfriend to try a metronome at a at a practice session and see what happens. Uh yeah, she she does and she's like, "Yeah, they they're kids, so they like <laughs> barely listen." <laughs> or they just watch it and like, "Yeah." And they're like, "This is way better than you." <laughs> this doesn't yell at us. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't tell us to to get in line. Oh. 
Yeah, this doesn't <laughs> slam its baton down in a fit of rage. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Perfect. Awesome. So I have never, I like that we took a kind of a detour. That was fun. Um, I've never produced or engineered a record at all. I've released one, well, two technically, um, but I just play guitar kind of and sing badly. So <laughs> what, <laughs> just being real here, Roy. Uh, so what is, when you get something, say if I sent you um, guitar and vocal tracks for my stuff, how would you then go about making that sound like I didn't record it in my basement? Well, I mean, first of all, I would be pleased that you actually sent me a demo. Um, (laughs) So that's actually where it starts. Um, There was a time in my career, so I've been producing other bands probably for about 10 years now. And there was a time where I didn't require that bands send me a demo before we worked together. But that has since changed. So I'd be really stoked that you already sent me a demo. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what I would, what I would do first is listen to it and see if I was a good fit for the project. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't like what you're doing. It's just that sometimes I listen to it and I think to myself either I'm just not a good fit for this or I don't know enough about this style of music to really pursue it because I feel like I'd just be like taking your money and not delivering my best work. Uh, so I would listen to your demo and I, I would kind of evaluate those things, but I, I would, of course I would evaluate how good it is. Even if it is a demo, it's, you know, you can still kind of wade through that and you can listen to an artist and you can see like the potential. So after that, I would follow up with you and usually I have a meeting with the band and I kind of talk about, you know, what, what do you hope to get out of this and what do you want from me? And here are my expectations. Um, so after that, I like to sit down with the artist in the studio and just kind of start to craft your idea from the ground up. So if you sent me a guitar and a vocal recording, that's awesome because those essentially lay down the fundamentals of what a song is, right? It's just, I mean, if we're talking about your conventional pop rock song, it's chords and, and melody. So boom, we've got it. We've got a song, which is great. Uh, From there, it's like, okay, let's talk arrangement. Let's talk approach. I mean, do we want to make this sound like like a band or do we want to make this sound like a a pop song where it's going to be less electronic drums and synths and all that good stuff? So it kind of depends on, again, what you hope to get out of it and, and also what I think would be most appropriate for the song. And hopefully our, our, our minds agree Are close, on that. Yeah. Least, right. Yeah. Uh, because if I'm thinking, well, this, this is totally a pop song, dude, this is, this is, we, we got to make this a total top 40 pop tune. And you're like, no, man, I want it to be like guy and his guitar. Then either we uh, like, we have to agree on a middle ground or I just acquiesce to you and <laughs> let you do your thing. Um, <laughs> I, I think most people would tell you that I don't do that. I, I'm pretty, you know, it's like you hired me for a reason and let me work. I, I am that kind of producer. Um, but I also, I always communicate that pretty early on that like, hey man, if you're hiring me, let, let me do my thing. 
And if you don't want that, you know, if you want to micromanage and, you know, like this, it's, there are, there are a lot cheaper options. You can just like uh, book a studio for four hours and you can hire an engineer and that engineer is not going to care one bit <laughs> whether you're playing guitar and singing or you want to record a pop beat. He is just counting the hours, man. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, a, that's a living. Of course. Uh, but if you're, if you're hiring a producer, let them produce, let them, let them do their thing. So I, that would be kind of the, that's kind of the hardest part is building a song from the ground up. Of course, with your ideas already intact, but you're building it from the ground up. You're programming drums out, you're writing drum parts, you're writing bass parts. You're saying, hey, this chorus feels a little long. Let's chop this chorus up. Let's move this uh, post-chorus thing that you're doing. Let's move that to the front of the song because that's a better intro. So you're doing all these things. So as a producer, you're kind of wearing all these hats. You're wearing these like, you know, I'm, a, I'm arranging, I'm programming, I'm recording. So that is usually the, the toughest part of the process is just building, building the ideas and, and getting them all in, in line to make a cohesive song because it's real easy then to like overdo it. And, you know, by the end of it, you have like a full orchestra and, you know, because you can, because it's 2023 and there are endless software synths out there that can make you uh, sound like you played with an orchestra and a banjo and ukulele and all that good stuff. So a violin being held the correct way. Uh, yeah, and the wrong way because you can, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm going to record my violin on there. That's one of my staples, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I think that's, that is the kind of trickiest part. And, but once you get that and you're like, everybody's like kind of stoked on the, the arrangement and how the song's building up, it's pretty cool because you can kind of see an artist like come to terms with it. And they're like, wow, this, my song that I sent you that was just me like on my iPhone with my guitar is now like an actual song. Like it sounds like a song. It sounds like something that I never would have imagined that it would sound like this. So it's That's cool. how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. My buddy, a uh, good friend of the show, Danny Schmitz from Lost in the Name. By the way, they're on tour in two weeks. Um, yeah, I just, it was a long project and I was like, just, I let him do his thing. Like I didn't have any real notes or anything. I was like, Hey, here's what I have. I did all the stuff. I'm done listening to these songs the way I've done it. Like just make it sound like I didn't do it right here in this chair. And he's like, all right, great. I said, here's the money I owed him. Here we go. He sent him back. The masters were great. I was like, yes, this is perfect. It hit my timeline of, uh, I had to get it done before our son was born and we got, we nailed that timeline. I'm like, yes, done. Great. I'd let you just do your work. You're the professional. You know how to do stuff. And I feel like that would be... My approach wouldn't be so much of like, hey, I want it to sound like this. I would want you to be able to sit in there and go, okay, here's how I can take what you sent me from your phone or from wherever, and here's how I can make it sound like it was made here with me. Right? Does that? Did any of that yeah. make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely it does. Yeah, and, and the process you're describing there too is even a, a little bit more is a little bit different because if you recorded it yourself and then you sent it to somebody you intended for those tracks to be used on the recording but you sent it to somebody like me or you know or whoever 
and you said, well, hey, take this to the next level, man. Like I'm done with it. It's as far as I can take it. It's and I've had people do that, too. And it, that's a kind of a, it's like a whole new approach because then it's like, OK, well, I can't really it's really almost not producing. It's it's like a, a combination of producing and mostly like mixing and mastering. So sometimes I think uh, some artists will get confused when they hire you for a pure mixing job because mixing is just balancing and and some EQ work and processing, compressing. Mixing's really not like, hey, man, I cut your song up and moved it around, moved sections around and changed the key. And <laughs> that's, that's not mixing. So I didn't have my album produced. I had it mixed and mastered. Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, it kind depends. Of, yeah. Yeah. If he, if he added elements, like elements that weren't there to begin with, like uh, if you sent him guitar and vocals and he took it and added drums and bass. And, no, that would have cost me too much money. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> so it sounds like maybe he mixed it. But again, it's, it's kind of weird because in the last maybe, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years or so, the lines have been blurred a little bit. Okay. So you can send something to a mixing engineer and it can come back sounding completely different than what you had sent them originally for good or bad. But a mixing engineer has a lot more power than they had 15, 20 years ago, where it almost starts to blur into production a little bit, where before it wasn't. It, before mixing was very purely defined as like, you're the balancer. You you take it and you <laughs> you make sure things don't stick out in weird ways. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, maybe your mixer would add something that made the song, but it's very rare that that happens. Um, but now it's, it's weird because people will say, I want you to mix my record. And then if you sent them what a mixer would normally do, they're like, Oh, well, where are all the, where's all the extra stuff? <laughs> like that's production, dude. That's not, but <laughs> that's, I mean, it sounds what like you paid me for buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's not, that's not what, uh, that's not why you hired me, but you know, so I, I kind of take quite a hybrid approach. You know, for instance, in this situation you're describing, I take kind of a hybrid approach if I'm hired for something like that, because I mostly, I almost always do a little bit of editing and I can't help myself. I always have to add some kind of production element. <laughs> I just can't help myself. And, and usually our artists are okay with it because their budgets are smaller, so they can't necessarily hire me to produce their record. So they record everything at home and send it to me but they kind of want some of that touch still. So it, it actually ends up working in their favor because I, because I can't help myself, I'm essentially still kind of like softly producing your record, but not really. Cause I, I'm confined to the tracks that I'm, that you sent me as opposed to recording them with you. So. So there's a little bit of a difference in that you're not getting, you're not getting a chance to be like, Hey, what if you played this this way? Because what you're receiving is already kind of done, right? Correct. Yeah. And that, that is my, my fundamental kind of issue with it. Not, I shouldn't say issue. I, I like mixing records. I don't do it a whole, like I don't do just pure mixing a whole lot. I don't take a whole lot of those projects on because I love being able to sit in a room with an artist and work and create. 
and I can't do that with with mixing. It's mixing is a very like guy is sitting in his room by himself working on something kind of approach. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, man, I you know I do that a lot, you know. I, but it's precisely it's, what I do when I do this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, but you know what? It's there's okay. So I I'm fortunate enough to have a little bit of both of that, right? Because I I have artists come in a few times a week and they're recording. And then when I don't have artists in here, I'm mixing and I'm adding production elements and I'm mastering and I'm doing like the, the isolation guy stuff. And that's, that's cool with me. You know, I, I like both. Um, but I do, uh, I do like working with people and it, there are a lot of guys that almost look at pure mixing and being like a mixer as like a graduation from recording bands and recording artists. And I, I don't think I'll ever look at it like that because to me, the, the bread and butter, the beauty of it is in working with, with people like, you know, with creating with people in a room. Um, I'm cool to mix. I'm, I'm cool to work by myself, but working with people's better to me. Cause then you kind of get to be part of the whole process, right? So like the, the writing structuring of the song and then also hey, that sounds good. We can make it sound better by doing this. And so you being a, like a part of that process from the beginning has to feel pretty cool once it comes out. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. That's why I like to do it because it's cool to look back at something that maybe I recorded, you know, maybe I recorded it three or four years ago and listen back to it and say, I actually don't remember making all these little individual decisions. And of course, it's not just me. It's, it's also the artist. Um, I don't really make, remember making all these decisions, but, but God, they, they came out great. You know, like they, everything just came out so well. And it wouldn't have been that. It wouldn't, that wouldn't have been possible if we hadn't approached it in that like artists just working in a room together. You know, it, that wouldn't have been possible. And it's a beautiful thing to have that experience, you know, to look back at work and, and say, well, I could have just let the artists just record this themselves and I could have mixed it and that would have been the end of it. But it was cool that we got the chance to sit in a room and say, well, that chorus is too long or, you know, let's play this differently. No, hold the pick this way. Don't hold it that way. That kind of stuff. And you can't really coach artists if you not in a room with them. I mean, obviously the technology is getting to the point where, you know, you and I are talking miles and miles apart, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, the technology is there to, to, to work with artists remotely, but there is something still, I think about working with people in a room. That's cool. It's and it's easier human. to show like, Hey, why don't you try this chord this way instead of that, the way you're playing it? Or why don't you try doing this, in this, like try this drum beat instead of here or there. And it's easier to do that when you can maybe sit down and show them exactly where you're thinking it could go. Right. Right. Yeah. There's always that little bit of lag in trying to, cause I, I have recorded artists remotely and I like, it's scary how well it can work, but there is still a disconnect because you still have that boundary, that barrier, I should say. You have yeah, that we barrier. can only connect so much from hundreds of miles away. Right. right? Like, we, like this would be 
a different experience for both of us if we were in the same room. Right, right. And it, it changes your behavior and it changes how you approach situations because I have recorded some artists who live in other states and other areas. And it's sometimes funny how they act on camera through a video call versus how they act in person. It's like they're at times, and this isn't with everybody, but it's like they're two different people. So definitely being in, in person with somebody changes how you think and how you create and how you approach literally every facet of human interaction. Yeah, a lot of people, myself included, a little guarded on camera, a little weird. I've never been really comfortable doing video stuff at all, but mm -hmm. uh, it's easier for us to see each other, to talk to each other while we can see each other. So right, I make right. the sacrifice just for you and for the show. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, it would be weird. It would be weird to just talk to you voice to voice. I, I feel like this is nice being able to... Which I've done plenty of times for the show. And then sure. it's just like, you know, you get a little bit of a pause or a lag or a whatever the case might be, and you start to talk over each other and things like that. But yeah, like you said, technology has advanced in, in a way that can make things uh, like this possible, which is great. Right, right. It is great. So you're, you, I, I actually, it kind of led in, we kind of talked about it already, but um, I'm looking at your website, which is great, by the way. Did you do all that or did you have somebody, did you hire a, a smart person to do it? Um, <laughs> not that you're yeah. not smart, but did you, did you hire like a, like a pro website person to do it? <laughs> so yeah, my initial draft of the website, I, I did hire a very smart person named, uh, Shannon Conway, who is a graphic designer here in, in, well, I, I'm going to say here in Chicago, but Chicagoans get really angry with you. If you say you're from Chicago, but you're really not. Hooray. So basically as a little aside, I am in Indiana but I am literally five minute walk, maybe 10 tops from the city of Chicago. So when people ask me where I'm located, in order to make things easy, I will usually tell them Chicago. So it's not right, Roy. I know. It's not I right, know. Roy. So I am going to say that I had a graphic designer from here in Chicago <laughs> help me build the website. And she's great. Um, she is an amazing artist. She has a, I think she has a Twitch and she's, she goes live <laughs> a lot. And you look like you have no idea what Twitch I is. I have no idea you, what Twitch you is. Just, like someone wrote it down for you and you're like, she has a Twitch. Is that yeah. real? Yeah, I have. I mean, I can count on one hand, sorry, Shannon, how many times I've been on Twitch. I don't even really know. I don't even say it naturally, you know? Um, Surprise, we're on Twitch right now. No, we're not. But, uh, we could be, but we're not. Right, right. But yeah, so she she's great. And she helped me kind of get things rolling there years and years ago, actually. She helped me do that. And since then, I just kind of took over and I added new pictures and updated my bio and added a contact form and, you know, just all kind of stuff, all kinds of stuff to just kind of make it easier and easier to facilitate. And it, it's funny because it, it, I didn't think much of it when I was building it. I'm like, this is people don't use websites anymore. They just go on Facebook or Dude, yes, Instagram. Dude, yes, they do. Yes, they do. do. 
They do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you uh, learned that. <laughs> yeah, I did. And because I've gotten so much work filtered through my website that it's like paid for itself tenfold. And I struggle to think if I would have gotten that same amount of work if, if I didn't have that and people were just reaching me through Instagram or whatever. I think having a nice website does give you some cred. You know, at least it shows people that, hey, I, I cared enough to go the extra mile and and not just work within the confines of what Instagram would give me or TikTok or Facebook or whatever, you know, whatever social media you're on. I think it it does it gives you a little more cred. And there was a time where I really didn't think that, but I do now. And I think it's important, especially if you're, if you're freelancing it to have a website that, you know, showcases what you do and who you are. Yeah. If you're trying to make money doing a thing, then I wouldn't rely on social media because we've seen when they have outages, if you don't have another way for somebody to get in touch with you for whatever it is that you want to do, your your line to make money is gone until that issue is resolved. That is an excellent point. And you don't think about that until it happens. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why so, we're here to tell you. We're here to tell the people, Roy, right, make a website. You right, can do it on Google website. for on Blogger or WordPress for free. Right. Start right. there. That's yeah, what I did. It, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I it's not hard to make a website. I mean I was a very nerdy kid. Surprise, surprise. Um, a, a dude Never who works. Guessed. Yeah, a dude who works with computers and has a Captain America mug. Um, you know, never would have figured that out, Roy. Never would have guessed. No. Uh, but I was a pretty nerdy kid, and I I remember building websites for local bands when I was I was in middle school, and I was building websites for local bands. And I I learned I taught myself HTML. I was eleven, and I taught I I taught myself how to like code and do like simple stuff like that. So I guess I've always like been on the website train. And then like when social media started to take over, I'm like, well, this is stupid. I don't need to mess with this anymore. And then, yeah. And then I started building my website before Shannon stepped in and I was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. This was a long time ago. I've gone past my, my uh, low bar of expertise, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's crazy how much it's changed. Like website building has changed. So yeah, I got, I was pretty surprised pretty fast. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. But yeah, that old really HTML easy. that you use when you were 11 is uh, way out of date at this point. So yeah, 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 it is. It definitely is. But it is surprising, though, how easy it is. Like once you get going, it's, it's so easy to, to build a website that there's really very little excuse not to build one if you're a creative is freelancing it or whatever. Because a lot of them are kind of, if they don't have a full theme set up for you, like Blogger does on Google, they'll be kind of drag and drop things that you can do, even like for the free version of WordPress or Wix or whatever. You just drag right in and be like, oh, here we go. Here's all my stuff. Here are the colors. We did it. It took 45 minutes. And now I'm ready to go. Right. Boom. You've got a website. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that is is cool. That's cool. Like technology has progressed in that way because there was definitely a time where like building a website that didn't look like total garbage 
was very hard to do. It because, didn't look like Geo Cities or Angel Fire, you mean? Right? Oh, the Geo Cities and well, that's you know that's like what I got started on, and it, they looked yeah. ridiculous. They had like the flashing bars, like the flashing dividers. Oh, yeah, dude. between sections. Yeah, that was the thing, man. That was that was the way to go at the time. Right, <laughs> and they had like the the sparkly logos that you could put on, and like the sparkly backgrounds. It like absolutely looked obscene. I would love to go back in time and like look at those old websites that I built and just cringe. You know, <laughs> some of them might still exist. You probably could still do that today, Roy. I, you know, it's pretty low on the priority list, but <laughs> maybe one day I'll, I'll take a trip down memory lane. Let's do it right now together. What are the band names? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the reason I ask about the website is I saw, and again, another great detour we went on. I'm happy I did that. I'm happy that worked out that way. Um, is your your website says you shun the in and out mindset of putting together uh, of producing of putting together a record so how do you kind of make that decision where cuz you you kind of personalize to each artist right and so you meet with them and then do you ever listen to a demo and then have a full plan first or do you listen to the demo and go okay here's an idea or a couple and then talk to them and have that totally changed like how do you I guess how how is it really personalized so you're not just like we said earlier mixing and leveling and EQing it so it's just out the door. Yeah, so I when I started recording bands, it was I started with my own band because I just wanted to dig into it. I always found an interest in recording, so I always wanted to do it. But when I when I started recording bands that were not my own, the first thing I said to myself is that I'm I'm never going to run a commercial recording studio where bands just book hours and they, they come in and they lay their stuff down and they leave. And there's no, you know, there's really no time to get like, to establish any kind of relationship. It's just really, you're here, you're just recording and then you leave and that's it. So I told myself, I'm never going to do that. And I have stuck to that to this day. And Good so, for you. Yeah. Also, and, I and, just saw your cat. <laughs> I, I've got, yeah, I've got two cats. I saw one and they, of your cats. <laughs> and normally, it's so funny. Dude, they, they would never be back here, but right now, it's they know, they know something's going on, so they got to be here. They're welcome to appear on camera if they're ready. Yeah, uh, they <laughs> might. They might. You never know. <laughs> so I did stick to that. I, I have been encouraged, especially as, as things started to pick up and I started to get bigger artists that a lot of people would say, well, why don't you open a studio, man? Like, you know, you're recording in your house. I mean, I, as you can see, man, it's just, it's just my house, you know, <laughs> I've got a little back room <laughs> and that's it. You know, um, I've got a little, little like live room downstairs that I record drums in or whatever. And I was just like, you know, man, I don't, I don't ever want it to get to that point where I, I have to take projects on that I'm not a good fit for just because I got to keep the doors of the studio open. Um, that's fair. Yeah. So I, I've always just been really against that. And there's, again, going back to our conversation earlier, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having commercial studio and just having bands book days or artists book days with you and going in and record. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a living and that's fine. I just don't want to do that. So when I am taking artists on, it's pretty much instantly that I, when I listen to a demo, I know what I'm going to do with that project. 
just pretty much instantly. And then once I sit down with the artist, I pretty much lay out my plan of what I think would be best for them. And usually the, the artist will roll with it because they like what I do. And, you know, I've got a ton of songs on my portfolio. And the way I look at it is, you know, if you listen to that portfolio and you don't like it, then don't hire me. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's pretty simple, right? Um, but if you like what I do and you listen to that and you say, you know, wow, it's, there's a lot of diversity here. I like everything he's done, despite the fact that every portfolio, everything on the portfolio is kind of different. You know, I'm just going to, my song is as far as I can take it. You do your thing, man. And I'm along for the ride. And, you know, throughout that process, I also am big on coaching artists because, you know, I've obviously, I've been in the business for a little bit. So, you know, artists will have these ideas in their heads about how the business works or even just, you know, how to play their instrument. And I'm like, man, that's like, it's not the way you should be approaching it. You know, if you want to be successful, you probably should not approach it like this. So I don't just stop at, and I guess that that little blurb on my website also refers to the fact that I, I don't just stop at recording you. I want you to be a, a better musician. You know, I want you to be a better artist. So I like to take it the extra mile and say, hey, this isn't how you should be approaching this or you're doing exactly the right thing and you need to keep doing it that way because that is going to be successful for you. But I, I feel like if it, if it was just like an in and out commercial studio mindset, you really don't have the time to do that because the artist is going to be like, dude, you're like, you're talking way too much and I'm on the <laughs> clock. So, <laughs> but I don't do that. So I can talk as much as I want. <laughs> yes. So have you ever had a, a song or an album from one band, say, three, four years ago, and then they come back to you a year or two later for the next single or album, and you've noticed that they've maybe not taken your advice per se, but like kind of taken what you said into consideration and improved from the last time they were with you? Oh, man. 100%. Hell yeah. That is the, that is the coolest thing. It is the coolest thing. Like to see bands progress. Like once you open up those doors for them and you, you show them like, hey, this is the way you do it. This is, this is what you should be doing. And then, then just take it and roll with it. It is incredible. It is incredible to see that. And then, you know, like, and sure, like it fills you with a little bit of confidence because you're like, okay, well, I obviously led them in that direction, but it's not just you. And it, it's stupid to think that because it's like they had it's to make that sh- to look yeah, at it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's so short-sighted. So, you know, I always look at it like, you know, they they took that advice. And, and advice is just advice, man. If you don't apply it and you don't, you don't exercise the skills or whatever that somebody's trying to impart to you or whatever, you know, like it's not gonna do anything for you. That you you have to like apply it and you have to say, okay, well. This is initially difficult because I'm not used to doing it, but I'm just going to keep trying because it's going to eventually get easier for me. You know, any, any difficult skills like that, right? And it's cool to see bands and artists come back and say, hey, listen, I took that advice you gave me and I worked at it and look 
look how much better it is now. Um, it, it's actually funny because as bands are working with me, they'll kind of see how I work and then they'll take it and they'll, they'll apply it to their own demos. And so I can, it's funny to like, listen back to first demos that bands send me years and years ago and then demos that they sent me yesterday. And it's like, man, you've gotten so much better just making demos. Like you've learned so much from that. So that is, it's really cool to experience that as like a producer and engineer. So tell me all about how much double identity has improved from one record to the next. And go. <laughs> I, <laughs> I definitely have like tenfold improved. You know, they're the they, best. They're, they're awesome. And they're such sweet girls. And I, I always joke that, so I, I've been fortunate enough to record a lot of, a lot of female artists. And I always joke that <laughs> the, the stereotype that women are like, they're going to nag and complain. No, that's not <laughs> it, man. 100% every single person I've recorded who's complained and nagged yep. and micromanaged has, has been a like dude. <laughs> has been a dude every single time has been a dude. Yeah, for sure. And the girls have always been just totally cool and agreeable. I mean, not agreeable because, you know, they still like, we still get in little tiffs or whatever, you know, if you're, if you're two creatives in a room, you're going to argue, but just like, just totally cool. And like, I feel like I'm working with them as opposed to against them or like whatever. But every time I have had somebody annoy me in the studio, it has always been a dude. So, Ugh. The, come on, dudes, be better. Yeah, be better, man. <laughs> be more like women. <laughs> the, yes. <laughs> the yeah, the double identity girls though they're they're just really great. They're great people, and I think yes. that is part of what makes them great to record. Is is that I'm, I know I'm always going to have a good time with them because it's like a nice mixture of like we're working and creating, but we're also like laughing and having a good time. Oh yeah. So it was cool to get them in and like for the first song I recorded with them was red flags and roses. And it was cool to like work with them there. And then when they came back, they had like more of a concrete idea of how we all work together. And I can't say it like went, like it wasn't a shorter process because it was still equally as like long and both of all of us are really like <laughs> we're overthinkers. So we have to overthink everything as you know. most creatives are. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I can't say that it moved any faster, but it, it definitely, there were, there were le fewer barriers because they kind of knew what they had to do to deliver like an excellent product. So yeah, they, they're great. And the biggest improvements I've seen in them is just vocally. They just, they listen with a more critical ear now. And, and that's, that's really cool because obviously vocals are a big part of what they do, especially. So it helps to, that they're thinking on like a higher level than they even were a couple years ago. So thanks to Roy's coaching. There we go. All credit. It was all me. Roy. It was all me. They did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Absolutely. No work. From Arden and Courtney, it was all it was all Roy. Yeah, it was all me. Yeah, good for you, Roy. Wow. I should put that on my website. You should. 
I'm going to put that on the website for this episode. <laughs> Just a little note at the end. By the way, any improvements from Double Identity from 2018 to now, it's because of Roy Robley. That's what it is. It was all me. It was all me. <laughs> They're great. They're coming back on the show. Uh, let's see. What did... What did Courtney say here? Whenever Roy's bum ass gets done with our song. No, um, <laughs> they, they would never, they, I don't think they'd ever say anything like that, but no, <laughs> they are going to come back <laughs> on the show. So <laughs> it's like, that doesn't sound like them. They, they would never in, in a million universe lifetimes. They, they, <laughs> why did I say it like that? Anyway? Um, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And they connected us together, which is great. So thank yeah. you ladies. Yes. And uh, yeah, whenever your bum ass gets done with their song, then we'll... Uh... <laughs> hey, I'm done. I'm waiting on them now. I'm done. Okay, yeah. I and Arden actually it. actually did some vocals for me on my uh, on my record last year. Oh, so okay. Two years ago, yeah. She crushed cool. it because she's a real singer and I'm, well, I did it in my basement. I guess that's... Incredible anyway. voice, man. Incredible oh, voice. Yeah. I, um, that was one of the first things that, that drew me to that band. Because the first song I heard from them was um, You're Anything. And I think she sings almost exclusively on that. I, I think Courtney sang harmony on it. Yes. And I was like, wow, man, this is an incredible voice. You know, like the recording could have used some refinement, but the, the idea was there, you know? And then I just kind of hopped around their Instagram and just watched different videos and stuff. And because they had, they added me. So I was like, and I always, I always, whenever anybody adds me on Instagram or whatever, I always check them out and see what they're all about. Make sure they're not a, you know, a serial killer or a weirdo. Or, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah. Uh, so I was checking out these videos and I'm like, man, these girls are really great vocalists. You know, it's, it's and they're like writing good songs and it's hard to write good Women songs. Women can't write good songs, Roy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a thing people yeah. believe, I'm sure. Yeah, and well, and then they also... The, one of the first conversations that we had about their their previous experiences or whatever was like being called girl rock. Uh, so it's, it's funny that you said that because, uh, it, yeah, that like somebody actually was like, this is some great girl rock. It's like, it's not girl rock, dude. It's just, I, it's just rock music. Like, I have had, whenever I play a song that has a female vocalist on the show, there will be some Chad with you know, no name, bunch of numbers on Twitter. Be like, why are you playing chick music, man? I'm like, because it's great. What are you talking like? What do you mean? Because yeah. it sounds great. <laughs> what does that mean? What, what is chick, what, so what is, chick music? I don't know what that is. Rock. Yeah. Why? Why do we have to? And then uh, the other one that gets me is, is female fronted, female oh, fronted rock. Boy, we could go for another like half hour on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so whenever I see that stuff, I I'm just so befuddled by it. Right. So when I'm hearing like double identity for the first time, I'm thinking, I'm not thinking like, wow, this is great girl rock. I'm thinking this is just great rock music. You know, it's just the, these girls are talented, you know, that I don't care what's going on <laughs> in terms of female or male. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like I'm thinking in terms of talent and execution. I don't care about anything else. Also, yeah. don't be a serial killer and or a weirdo. So I guess that's those yeah. are two important right. things to consider. And, yeah. And most importantly, they were neither a serial killers. Well, I don't know. Maybe they are. And weirdos. They're definitely weirdos, but not the kind of weird that I would not want to be friends with. My not kind, the kind of, weird. of weird where you say, don't hang around my kid. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you alone with my child. Yeah. Uh, that that is definitely uh, they they're not that kind of 
group. As a matter of no, fact, they're the they're fun f- weird. Yeah. They're definitely the fun weird. And um, I am more than comfortable to leave them alone with my cats because I don't have kids. But I am more than comfortable leaving them alone with my cats because they love my cats. So I, my cats are my children as of right now. My cats yes. are my children. And um, they love my cats. So, Yeah, every time they're in your studio doing a thing like, oh, by the way, here's a cat. I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. I'll wait for this. Yeah. Every time you go to this, like when I hear they're going to the studio, I'm like, yes, more cat pictures. Let's yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because they and like a few other groups have essentially made my cats like kind of famous, you know? <laughs> so like whenever any, when everybody, anybody's talking about my studio, it's like, oh yeah, he's got the cats. It's pretty funny. It's like, yes, you have just my cats, but hey, yeah. But hey, you know, if you like my cats, come to my studio. There you go. I'll be right there in not yeah. Chicago. I'm also there, but my cats are there. So that's the most important part. <laughs> Fantastic. I can't believe we just spent like 15 minutes talking about Double Identity. They're going to love this. They, they're going to love this will. part of the show. Yes. It's going to be great. Yeah. This is the only part they're going to listen to. Actually, I can believe it because they're great. So why wouldn't we talk about them? Right, right. They are great. And I cannot wait for people to hear the new stuff because it is it is really, really great. I can't wait. So. Yes. As soon as it's ready, they're coming back. So I'm very excited for all of that. And I'm excited we got to do this, Roy. This was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I caught you right when you were drinking and like right at the end of that. So I, I feel like good timing there. Right when you were going, <laughs> mm, yeah, mm, yeah, great. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's my turn to talk. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but this was fantastic. I have uh, one more bonus question, which will be after the credits. But uh, if you are interested in producing, engineering, mixering, mastering, uh, RoyRobley.com, R-O-Y-E, R-O-B-L-E-Y. Did I get that right? Yeah. R-O-Y-E, R-O-B-L-E-Y, right? That's it. Perfect. Nailed it. So just that.com. Let him know. Tell him I sent you. And he'll go, that guy? No, he's a serial killer and a weirdo. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll have to find someone else. But, uh, <laughs> but Roy, this was great. Again, bonus question right after this. But uh, thanks for being here, buddy. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. All right, you know what? I lied. I'm going to actually, because it feels weird to do the bonus and the music and all that. So uh, let's come back and we'll do that's fine. Uh, my thanks to Roy Robley for joining me. Again, RoyRobley.com, R-O-Y-E-R-O-B-L-E-Y.com. Do that. Tell him I sent you and, uh, and go from there or not. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, my thanks to Double Identity for the connection. And they'll be coming back on the show soon, I hope, once, uh, once some things uh, get in motion. So there we go. All right, we're good. We are good. Have a great day. Have a wonderful week. We have some baseball this weekend. Spring training, I know, but still, it counts, right? Right? All right, great. We'll see you. We'll see you later. TheMelticPat.com for more from me. Um, there's a network tab. All our shows, they're on there. And uh, and we're good. All right, this has been an 8-Boiler production. Until next time, my friends, have fun. Be safe. Thank a veteran. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Get vaccinated and boosted when you can. And, of course, don't do anything I wouldn't do. This is the auctioneer version. We're good. All right, go have fun. I love you. I'll talk to you next time. You've been inside the Melting Pat on the next level network. Go crap open a cold one.
right, Roy, I know that it's going to be awkward because we kind of ended, but you're not off the hook yet. I have one more question. Okay. I ask this of every guest, and I do judge you based on your answer. So I need you to think carefully, okay? You ready? I'm ready. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, it is not. That's perfect. You did I'm it. I'm sorry. You got man. it. Did you I, didn't know. You nailed did it. Did I That's answer the right, right answer? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a sandwich, man. No. I mean, I, I come from just outside of Chicago. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Chicago-style dog is a, is a staple here in yeah. just outside of Chicago. Yes. And I could not fathom calling that a sandwich because that is definitely not a sandwich. Yeah, that is... I'm not sure. Like the Chicago dog, I feel like it, I've, we've talked about this. I've had plenty of people talk about that before. Chicago dog is kind of like a category of its own. Right. Like you have hot dogs and then you have the Chicago dog over right. here by itself because it's got a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. It's like a bad for you salad with with like bread mixed in. <laughs> <sighs> My wife loves Chicago dogs, by the way. She oh, absolutely so loves good, them. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So good. But they're not sandwiches. They're not sandwiches. No, no. Yeah, perfect. Finally, I don't have to convince someone why it's not a sandwich. Because you have, the, yeah. you're right. Because you're right. Yeah, man. The sam- sandwiches are flat. Like, like they're flat. Like they're, you know, not. <laughs> oh, nobody's actually, actually going to be. <laughs> nobody's going to be able. To, I just realized nobody's actually going to be able to see that. I was just thinking this would be this would be great. For that one thing, if we had video, but, uh, yeah. but I don't. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I so made Roy a just, what Roy just did is <laughs> sandwiches are, and he put his hands on top of each other, and they said hot dogs are, and he made like a, he didn't make like, a bun shape. It was like a V shape like almost a U, with his hands, like yeah. a UV half yeah. W shape with his hands. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that's how that goes. See, one time I wish I had video, it's right there. Other yeah. than that, you don't need to see this. Oh, well, and when your cat walked by, that'd be the other. That's right. that's the other one. Right. That's the that's the re- that's the real focus here. My adorable cats. Yeah, we only saw one. But uh <laughs> I think that's well, you'll have to come back then and we'll have to see the other one. I guess that's yes. the resolution. I would be happy to do that. Yes. All right. I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do. I'll write a new song. I'll okay. have you produce it. Okay. And then you come on produce it, mix it, whatever. I you taught me what the terms mean and I already forgot. Uh <laughs> whatever you do with it. And then you come back and you just eviscerate me on my own show about how bad the song is and about how, how much work you had to do to make it sound good. That's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. I am famous for my, um, nameless bad artist stories as many people would tell you, uh, to the point where every time that double identity comes in, they go, Roy, do you have any tea for us this week? Where, where they're expecting me to go off. I'm like, you're not going to believe what this dude said. Oh, Roy. Yeah. Roy, why did you wait 58 minutes to tell me this? All right, well, I now know. we have to do a part. All right, here's what we're going to do. You're going to come back for a part two. I'll, we'll, I'll still do a new song. You can do that. And then I want all the tea. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, we'll have to we'll wait good. like six months or so because we, we want to spread out your appearances. But yes. um, yeah, oh my God. Yes. Yeah, yeah. we're going to have Roy back to spill some, some tea. This is going to be great. It's going to be more like a therapy session than a podcast. But hey, you know, whatever. Sometimes Who's that's what track? this show is, even when it's just me. Sometimes that's what this is. Right. Hey, I, I found this whole conversation extremely therapeutic, so. I'm glad I could help. That'll be $750. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'll, um, <laughs> I'll, we'll build my insurance. 
Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I figure out how to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, this was great. You got the question right. I'm very happy about that. We have a part two to look forward to. This is our, now we're planning for the future. This is great. Uh, but I've, this, is, this is awesome. RoyRobley.com. Roy, thanks for being here, man. A pleasure. Thanks, Pat. Take it easy, man.